0: hello hey you know i'm always a little unclear um if
1: everyone can hear that or not you can I hear it no, i can hear it like um, until you fade out i can i can actually hear it so i was like jamming today
0: okay then well well hello you see we're, we're talking um um stuff hello yeah. everyone welcome hello. to another episode
1: of banter with jabisa and tracy
0: oh Fanta with Tracy and Jabisa. We are back. It's been a week. Oh, my God. we, we, yes.
1: Yes. we are doing really good. Yay. High five. High virtual five. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is Friday, June 19th, and everybody now knows, because 45 unearthed this, it's <laughs> Juneteenth. <laughs> and he did not. That was a joke. He didn't make it up. He didn't discover it. That's what he's um, touting now, that he discovered it because nobody knew yep everybody knew he just didn't know but he don't believe it don't believe the hype he did not discover june 19th he did not unearth it for all us black people anyway (laughs) so it was our little
0: little secret for a number of years and it was it was well i know you're going to give us the background of juneteenth Mm -hmm. in a moment but initially and i only know this because we have family in louisiana and texas that it was initially June nineteenth was a Texas holiday. hmm And then Tracy's gonna tell us why. Okay.
1: <laughs> and that's it. You didn't you wanna say something else about the Texas? Like they would celebrate. Nope. Nope. I'm gonna let you nope. tell I'm gonna let okay. you tell <laughs> it. <laughs> All right. So Juneteenth is um, so the uh, reason that it came to be was that's when the last of the enslaved people that were living in Texas Found out that they had been freed. Um, it was two and a half years after the fact um, and it was uh, Major General Gordon Granger that came to Galveston and stood on the porch of some house and announced to the slaves that they were free and so that's when they found out. Um, this Now the reason that it took two and a half years, be and I were talking about that because that was a long time, you know, even back then. So there was a, there are a couple of Uh, 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 reasons that it could be, but we don't know for sure. The original messenger that was carrying the message got murdered, which, you know, I can believe that. And then the um, slave masters knew about it, but they kind of liked things as they were, and so they didn't say anything. (laughs) And then lastly, they said that the troopers that were coming to tell them, say, we just going to give the um, slave owners one more year with, with a crop <laughs> so, <laughs> so that the slaves can you know um, get the crop in so I'm not sure you know which one of those now the one that is to me most believable is that since it was the white slave owners that you know knew it but they didn't want it they said well they don't know and if they did know some things they did know but we're thinking what could they do so right. that's what amazing. I'm thinking That they knew it and until a white man came and told them they weren't gonna believe it. So,
0: let me ask you though, Tracy, was it was it two years after the Emancipation Proclamation, or was it two years after the end of the Civil War?
1: It was after the two years, according to what I was reading. Uh-huh. It was two years after the Emancipation Proclamation.
0: Okay, so that would have been eighteen 60, sixty-five, which is basically yeah. the end of the Civil War. Exactly. Because. Exactly. The, The Emancipation Proclamation was January 1st, 1863? Yep, that's
1: correct. That is correct. So it was
0: at the end of the war. Um, I say, and I believe this to be true, and I'm sure there's some research somewhere along the way, there was a, I um, I was watching Edgar Edgar Walters has a, um, is a historian here in South Carolina, and he Mm -hmm. has this show. And so I was listening to his show one day, and they were talking about the Civil War and Mm -hmm. how these white um union soldiers were being told by the slaves like where to go and where the fighting was like so there was this line of communication among the slaves and and it really makes a lot of sense it It does a lot of sense Mm -hmm. so as i said to tracy as we were talking about this the slaves knew they couldn't do anything the white politicians knew they chose not to do anything Um, and therefore, you know, on the nineteenth of june when they, when it's finally official yes you know, they they were able to to um celebrate the end, but at that point, it was definitely the end of slavery because it was the end of the war. It was a yes, so yes. it was over again yes yeah. the, the war was over with mm-hmm. so as promised, um Tracy was sharing with her with us how her coworker said, you know called and and checked on her and to see how she was doing. And so, um, and then she said to Tracy, you know, what can I do? And, and Tracy's, what did you say, Tracy? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was so just
1: for that that. One. No one's ever asked that.
0: So we were trying to think of things that you can do. Um, it was interesting. I'm a huge listener to NPR. I, 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 I love NPR. And um, so they were talking about movies and they were saying that there's been a big um, viewership of the help um you know a lot of people have been watching the help and so the the commentators on this particular program on npr there were three blacks and one white and um and all the black people said very quickly if you want to know about black history black um thoughts feelings relationships whatever it is the help is the wrong one is the wrong one exactly i i totally agree (laughs) so um and since I'm not a big movie watcher, I can tell you I'm, I'm one of those people. Who say movies that you probably shouldn't watch. Um, although Medea movies are funny, um, yeah. and although Medea movies have a like really good message, and I have to agree, Medea movies do show a, a bit of the black culture. But don't don't use that as your basis. Don't please don't right. use that as your reference in talking to somebody or thinking that because it happened in the Medea movie that you you kind of know. Um, yeah. So because remember it's a comedy. Yes, and, and but there's some there's there's some truths in Medea movies. We you know there's some things that that happened in there to my girl. You know that that that's real, mm. but you might want to ask a black person first. Yes. <laughs> so also don't do Medea movies and don't do um the help. Um, I'm gonna suggest books, and I'm gonna start with because I'm a, a school librarian. I'm gonna start with um a picture book, and I love picture books. Um, Kadir Nelson has um, he did the New Yorker I don't know if you've seen the have you seen the cover of the New Yorker where they have the picture of um, Mr. Um, Floyd and then all the different images of of, of blacks in the in the body Yes, that's I the N- yeah that's yes. Kadir Nelson so well, he has a he's illustrated a book um, written by Kwame Alexander who is um, a Newberry award winner uh-huh and so they have what's called undefeated, and it's yeah. just beautifully um, illustrated and moving. Moving words that move you. Um, there's uh, a, there is a there's a and it goes kind of through the history of black folks, and and it has the, these very prominent black people that if you don't know about them, you can learn more about them. But there's a page on there where there's a blank page,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that to me was the most moving part of the book. And so you have to. Mm-hmm. Be- the, the purpose of the blank page but undefeated is really great um right. jefferson sons which is um a historical fiction book and i'm a little leery of books that are um written by written about people other than the people who are the subjects that's just my personal yeah, thing too. like um, you no know? yeah um, so you know as a white male do you really know about the japanese woman but you know apparently
1: he did he wrote the book and it became a movie so i'm not mad no. at him for that
0: <laughs> but, um,
1: did, but, did anybody ask the japanese how they feel about it
0: yeah, I guess we should. They're like, oh, he was all wrong. Um, but Jefferson Sons is a historical fiction book. It's actually written by a, a white woman, but it tells the story of um, Sally Hemings Sons. And it's it's this wonderfully, and you could tell it's well-researched. Um, mm-hmm. and th- now she has to kind of make some assumptions about some things, but it's just a really great story. And things mm-hmm. that I hadn't thought about um, until I read it and things that, it was funny, my The person that I work with, she read and she's like, "Oh my God, I did not know this!" And uh, so it was a really, it was a really, it's a really great story too. Um, another one, um, a great children's book is Lizzie Lizzie Bright and the Buckminster Boy, which is also another. Clearly, I love historical fictions. Um, I do too.
1: That's my favorite genre.
0: Another thing about an historical fiction is after I read the book, or even before, I try to find out what it's based on to get a better better understanding. I think one of the things that I, I Thing that i love about this book is that just, it just has such a strong female character in it and you don't often see that in in children's books so that's one of my favorites some other books that i would suggest that you can read would be um anything written by tony morrison understand tony morrison is a job you know you just yes. don't go to tony morrison lightly a lot of work yeah she's heavy she's thoughtful um she she demands of you as a reader you know, as a reader, she has expectations of you as a reader. So, you know, don't go into Tony Morrison um going in there thinking it's gonna be light and lovely because it she hits you hard. She does um, right in the face. And, um um J California Cooper, I know that's one of your favorite authors. She's a little yeah. bit more lighter, but she he is and she it's a great, you a, good. a really good um perspective of a black culture, black community. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I do enjoy her. Um middle passage is a really great story talking about the middle passage that movement of slaves from africa to the united states and it focuses on the actual um shipment of slaves of the slaves mm-hmm. um, which was humorous and it's been out this has been out at least maybe no it's not 10 years maybe a little less than 10 years but it's how to be black and it's a, actually he's a comedian and so i read it my daughter and i read it and i'm not sure if we were confirming our blackness or we wanted to make sure we knew how to be black but but it was a great read it really was i really enjoyed that um and he wrote that for white people Um, yeah white fragility is really good um d'angelo is is um probably doing the circuit now you can catch her on youtube if you want to um hear her speak but that's a really great book which was actually written for white people but I read it anyway because it didn't actually say that on the cover and, um, and then an uh, oldie this is an old old book but I read this years ago um, Black Like Me and Black Like Me was um, I want to say it was written in the 60s and it is based on the experiences of a journalist his name was John Howard Griffin and John Howard Griffin darkened his skin and um and posed as a black male in the, in the south and and just documented his experiences as a black male and, and things that he was very surprised by um and in being viewed differently so yeah. of, so my recommendations the other thing that i want to add is that um i know our library which has been rated the number mm-hmm. one library in the united states i just want to throw that out um, <laughs> library. i've worked there a couple of times um it is such a great library we have mm-hmm. um, a wonderful staff a wonderful um library director, but what they've done even before now, and this was happening two or three years ago, but they would have um, community talks, opportunities for community members to talk about race and different issues, and that may be going on in your community as well, so you might want to look that up to find those opportunities to have conversations, because really that's what it comes down to when we have those kind of conversations. And
1: what was your suggestion, Tracy? Uh, (laughs) Mine was just to be cognizant of yourself. If, if you see, like when you be cognizant, just be thinking about when you're, you're I guess, feelings or what you're thinking when you meet black people or see them for the first time, if you're coming up on somebody, just kind of be cognizant of, of how you're, you know, think of what your thoughts are about that person. I don't know. That may be too deep. I don't, you know, but that's all I could, that's all I could think of. I just don't know what to tell you because like my experience you know it's for black people to understand, so I'm not exactly sure how for you know white people looking at looking at my experience through white eyes i'm not sure how to tell them you know what to do, but just be cognizant of your thoughts and i guess your actions when you come across and deal with black people
0: i think instead of I think the key is instead of it being black people uh, black person yeah you know? and so i you know tracy and i were just talking um we are viewed i think i think we are viewed as a group um and and part of me that's going to be hard for me not to be part of you know from for you to just say this is Jabisa. i was like yeah. yay but i'm part of this you know i'm part of this really great group <laughs> i want to be so i think you know as we talk about this it's it's something we have to kind of figure out as well but i i agree with tracy um to not make assumptions and that's hard because we all do it you know we, we all, all do
1: it. we were talking all about do. that here i and i know i'm guilty of it so. yeah we're
0: all guilty. but you know just just what would how would you react if, if they look like you i think that's another way of thinking about it you know if they look like if he looked like me how would i react it yeah and if i would have said hello then okay then i just need to say hello mm-hmm. right, i would have been stinky because
1: you know Whatever.
0: been I mean, stinky. So then I know her. So, so it wasn't. She would have treated you that way anyway because she treated yeah, her that yeah. way. I was like, oh, okay. Then I can't be mad. Yeah, so
1: she, oh, she wasn't rude just because I was black. She just rude just because she rude. I was <laughs> <Yeah>, oh. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Well, I'm not mad
0: no more. I just didn't know. Huh. So I'm oh, like, yeah, she was thinking with that one right over there too. <laughs> so that, and, and you know, that, that really very basic, Um, so I was telling somebody, we oftentimes overlook the very obvious and simple truths and and that come from the bible but you know treat mm-hmm. others as you want to be treated yes. i mean that's that that's somewhere it's not like that in the bible i know somebody's like that's not like that in the bible <laughs> <laughs> what is it Tracy? do unto others as you would have them do unto you thank you thank you there we go there we go okay i'm catholic i'm not the biggest reader of the bible trying to get better that's my excuse <laughs> i'm gonna stick with it
1: and then you can right. one thing, too, about um, when, when we realized that our race was a factor. How old were you or what was the circumstance in which you realized that race was a factor? Jabisa, go. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> I grew up um, military, so we moved around and it... it and there was such an array of kids, it really was. Although many times I may have been one or two blacks, but it never really seemed to have been a factor that I was aware of until I moved to South Carolina and I was in my 20s, young in my, yeah, my, young, my very early 20s, late teens working at McDonald's. And I was going back and forth with this white male customer over the, over French fries. And you know, I explained to him how the coupon worked, and he kept insisting upon that he should have had another fine. I kept re-explaining it and telling him, you know, why these—this is all he's going to get. So this went on for several minutes, and so finally, I went and got the manager because this man wasn't leaving my register, and he didn't believe what I was saying. So I went to get the manager, who was a white male, maybe a little bit older than me. And the words out of his mouth, out of this white male's mouth, were the same words that I used, same words. And this white male told this other white male the same thing that I had said. And the white male customer took his tray and left. And I didn't know if it was sexism or racism. I assumed it was racism. Mm-hmm. But that was one of the first moments I was like, okay, you know, this race thing really is an issue.
1: A thing, yes.
0: <laughs> you know, so fortunately in my childhood, you know, I didn't have any, you know, awful moments of being mistreated or anything like that. But as a young adult, it really kind of hit home that, you know, being black was going to be something that may not allow my life to be easy breezy. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, that was, thank you for sharing. And so for mine, now there wasn't any um, particular, like that was an event that happened with Jabisa that she was cognizant of. For me, when I realized that, you know, being black made me different was when I was in the sixth grade. I I grew up my whole life in, um, now it was military too, we were military too. And so, but for the, we didn't move around as much as Jabisa and her family did. But we were state. My dad was stationed in South Carolina, which is where my mom was from. So we were near family. So we went to. We lived in a black neighborhood. Went to a black church, black grocery stores. Our schools were black. We did have a couple, a few white teachers, but being little, I wasn't paying attention to you know if they were mistreating us because everybody in her and in their classes were black. Mm-hmm. But it was when we moved when we moved to Illinois, and I became a true minority in our classroom, it may have been three of us, like DeBisa says, on a good day, if everybody showed up. Um, And I just noticed that the teachers would, I felt, teach around us. Like I had, I felt like I had to make sure that he or she knew that I was engaged in the lesson. I would have to ask questions before they would, I think, address me like they were the other kids in the class. So that's when I, that's when I started to, uh, I guess, realize that, okay, I'm going to have to show them because they were teaching around. It's like, I don't think she was ever really directly talking to us. We were in the room and if we wanted to listen, we could, but if we didn't listen, she was cool with that. But the other kids, if she felt, you know, somebody drifting away or not paying attention, not grasping something, she would, um get that person in, and draw them back in. But for me, if I wanted to daydream all day, one day, it'd be cool. So I had to get her to um, realize that I didn't want to learn the same things that she was teaching everybody else in the class. So that's when I realized that, Hmm, you know, when I was in elementary school, Ms. Turner, all my teachers there, they loved me <laughs> they loved, and not just me. They loved us all. We felt loved. We felt cared for. We felt protected. But there it's like, you are kind of like, okay, so you got to get your own, just got to hang on, you know, and just get what you can get because no one was going to really look out for you. And so it was kind of sad. It was an eye opener and I'm glad it didn't happen to me in elementary school because I think it would have broken my spirit. But by the time I got so much love and so much buildup up from my younger years that it was, I guess, easier to, to adjust to that, you know
0: wow and i'm sure I'm, you know you guys are probably listening and thinking about those moments that have happened in your life um i think it will be interesting though to speak to someone white and find out when did they realize that their whiteness placed them at an advantage um because i i imagine we've all had those kind of experiences without maybe acknowledging that and in talking to tracy i had to really think about that i was like oh when when did it um but anyway um, but we're going to end on a positive and happy note.
1: Yes, we... Um, the quote for today is, hate is too great a burden to bear. It injures the hater more than it injures the hated. And that is by Mrs. Coretta Scott King.
0: What a beautiful quote on yes. uh, on June... night Was June. Juneteenth? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, and I you know, maybe people are kind of realizing that, you know, that, that burden of carrying hate,
1: um, a lot of work. It's a lot of work. work.
0: So, you know, hopefully people are being
1: already able to breathe now, but you know what I always say, you got to read it twice. Oh, hatred. I'm sorry. Hate is too great a burden to bear. It injures the hater more than it injures the hated. And that was, Mrs. All right. Well, everyone, you have a great weekend. Your Juneteenth. Celebrate, eat, go to the barbecue, ride horses.
0: Oh, <laughs> no. Don't do that. We're we in, we in a pandemic. Stay home. That's
1: true. Don't say it. I guess, yeah. Well, you can fish. You, you can, can fish. fish. <laughs> you can cook out in the backyard with you and your family. You <laughs> <laughs> guys take care. Be safe. Until, and well, until next week. time. Bye. Bye.